This past week, we celebrated Valentine's Day. Mm -hmm. And here in Florida, and, and actually really throughout the, the country, country, what uh, Valentine's Day also represented was the one-year anniversary right. of um, Parkland. Yeah, those two things that have really become um, yeah. linked. Um, yes. when, as we were approaching Valentine's Day, typically it's a, a fun day, you know, romantic and romance and all that, in, in, in Florida and around the country. Um, it's also become associated with the Parkland shootings that occurred mm -hmm. one year. So it's a one-year anniversary. Right. And, it, and because it was the one-year anniversary, uh, many of the news programs started writing and talking about um, this, the, the whole Parkland issue and gun control and violence in schools and other public places, starting on Wednesday. So it was Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, three days mm -hmm. this week, they were talking about uh, the violence um, that is occurring on a, on a more or less regular basis. And... So we wanted to take a look at that. Yeah. And one of the things we discovered was, um, and I don't know why this happened. I still don't know why Parkland, why the shooting at Parkland at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School, I don't know what was different about that. Well, I, I've been thinking about it since we started mm -hmm. preparing for the podcast. And I think that, to me, the difference was the way that the <coughs> students became activists afterwards. I don't think that there were many other... That's true. Um, uh, shootings where that was the case, where where the kids, the students actually, you know, went to Washington oh, D.C. Right. and they, you know, started, you know, creating these movements to to end some of the violence. And where were you at during Columbine? Were really you at during school Columbine '99? Um, I was, um, yeah, I was in just starting. I was getting ready to start graduate school, so I was working. And you were working in a hospital. I was too. working at USF in the College of Medicine. So you yeah. were. I mean, you were. Mm -hmm. It was one of the things we discussed. Um, at that time, right. was, uh, um, but those students were victims. They always were p presented as victims. Right. The entire school, right. the families, the kids who were the yeah. survivors, um, the kids, were, they were victims. And I'm guessing that that was sort of the interpretation. Mm -hmm. until, so it was that these students said, we want, we right. want to do something about it. We're going to do think. something about this. Yeah. Yeah, okay, so that's what gave attraction. It was the same number of fatalities and the same yeah. kind of shooting and the yeah. same kinds of weapons and everything that we've had before. But it's but, but these I think kids that was said enough is enough, right? And that's what galvanized the country. So. Okay, because yeah. there was something about Parkland that changed the conversation. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. And so we're going to talk just to kind of uh, you know review things that have how things have happened and what what things have happened, how things have been in the years since uh, Parkland. And there's a couple of articles that we're going to pull some information from. And then we're going to talk, uh, you know, kind of in the third part of the, the podcast today, talk mm -hmm. about um, strategies or one particular strategy for how we're going to deal with or how we should deal with risk assessments and, you know, right. dealing with students who are potentially at risk for uh, violent behavior. That's right. Because the day of the or the day before the day before the shootings, um, there was a wonderful piece done um, with a with a man who does risk assessment mm -hmm. and is in charge of that in, in a school um, in um, Oregon. Right. And uh, so I thought, wow, this, is a, this may be a solution, right. a possible solution to the mm -hmm. problem. Right. Okay. And so what we wanted to do was talk about the state of affairs since Parkland, mm -hmm. but, and what's happened here in Florida, 
but what we might be able to do is a possible solution. Right. Okay. Right. So we're we're gonna, we're going to divide this into three parts. Right. Okay? So the first part comes from um, the Washington Post. Washington Post article. And the graphic at the beginning of the Washington Post uh, piece is really cool right. because it it shows this circle of uh, from Columbine. Um, it starts with Columbine. That's right. The, the Columbine wasn't the first school shooting. Yeah. Um, it was sort of the one that really. Um, triggered or really initiated this entire conversation right. of school right. safety and um, you know it, it's part of the beginning of um, zero tolerance and, and some of these other major yeah, movements that we've had in this in the country right. um, regarding school safety. I think the the uh, issue at the unique feature of Columbine was the number of deaths right and and what could have and how much worse it could have been right had they not taken their own lives um, so that really as you say, it's not the first shooting by any right. means. And right. we, about a year or so ago, we talked mm -hmm. about all the um, school shootings prior to Columbine. Right. But I think it was the it was the um, um, the number of fatalities right. um, that that really got everybody's attention because here we have now the introduction of right. automatic weapons right. and that changes the dialogue a little bit. But since Columbine, right, I was surprised to see these numbers. Yeah. Right. The numbers are pretty pretty impressive mm -hmm. because there have been. Um, According to the Washington Post piece, yeah. there's been 50 mass murder or mass murder attempts um, in schools um, since Columbine. Right. Um, <coughs> since 1999. Since 1999. There have been 50 mass uh, attempted or successful mass murders in schools. Right. Okay. Um, there have been 143 <coughs> children, educators, and, and others killed in schools right. uh, from mm -hmm. these, these events. Um, 298 injured, but the, the number that really impressed me was the 221,000 right. students right. who have been affected, because we, we often forget those those students, the students who were, um, as the Washington Post piece puts it, you know they're hiding behind locked doors and they're mm -hmm. you know fearful of their right. life for their lives. Um, we forget we don't really talk about <coughs> them as much as we really should, but they you know. We have hundreds of thousands of students who are, have right. been affected by this. Yeah, I don't know what it would be like. I mean, you, they interviewed some of these students who w were in these rooms lying on the floor and hiding behind desks, mm -hmm. and they're watching kids, their classmates, um, get uh, be killed and shot mm -hmm. at and wounded. And, and it, it um, creates trauma mm -hmm. uh, that we typically see in, um, in soldiers, right. combat veterans. Um, so yeah, there's all the and there's siblings and there's right. parents right. who were you know here's a, so you have okay, w 13 students were killed, but how many people were affected by those deaths and right. how were they affected? You right. know the kids who were there and traumatized, the kids who were in the school and said what if right. I had been there you right. know a few minutes earlier, and then their families and and all the people who were affected by it. So, right, right. Yeah, 221,000. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So and th there's another article <coughs> from CNN. <coughs> mm -hmm. um, and the CNN piece kind of gets us up to date from Parkland to now, from, right. the, last, from the last year right. um, since the Parkland um, shootings. And again, amazing that we didn't even realize right. that 2018 had the most school shootings since 1999. Right. Um, so that, that was from the Washington Post piece. So whatever else we're doing, right. what, what it tells us is despite the debate, despite the traction, despite the Exposure, the awareness. The awareness mm -hmm. um, 2018 was the deadliest year since Columbine. Right. Mm -hmm. And there have been 31 mm -hmm. school shootings since Parkland. Um, that's one every, about one every 12 days. Right. Mm -hmm. um, 
And there, since Parkland, there's been 19 killed, 44 injured, um, and the deadliest one since then was in was in Texas. Santa Fe, Texas. Uh, so mm-hmm. that's where eight students and two uh, teachers were killed. Right. Mm-hmm. So and the most recent, and mm-hmm. I thought this was sh- shocking. This story, well, if you, if you look at Valentine's Day, that was Thursday. Right. The most recent shooting was Tuesday. Was was two days before February Valentine's 14th, Day. February fourteenth. February twelfth. Right. 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 So um, we don't think that there's been one since then. You don't hear um, about them. You don't hear about them. Right. Except the, now there has to be a large body count. I don't mean to be grotesque, but there has to be a large body count before it makes the news. Right. You know, there are eight people killed or 12 or 15. Then it makes the news. But one or two people get killed. It doesn't even make the news. Who knew that there have been 31 shootings? Right. I didn't. I wasn't aware of that. Yeah. Uh, yeah because it doesn't leave the local community, apparently. Right. Okay. So we haven't, point is, we haven't solved the problem. Right. Despite the debates, despite the laws, and what we're going to talk about in the next section is the law that was born in Florida right. as a result of the shooting at Parkland. Right. The Marjorie Stoneman, <coughs> the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas School High name. School Public Safety Act. Right. Yeah. Marjorie Stoneman name. Douglas, of course, is the name of the school in Parkland school. that was um, where, where the, the um, mm-hmm. event happened. Um, and so it's named Marjorie Stoneman Douglas School um, High School Public Safety Act. Right. Um, and, and this is a this is, this is a massive piece. And and to be honest, it was written very quickly. Um, so February fourteenth was the day of the shooting, shootings. Um, this act was written and and posted March 9th. Right, less than a couple weeks. Yeah. Okay. Like like three weeks later. And it's a hundred and how many pages? One hundred twenty-seven uh, or one hundred seventy-seven. It's almost two hundred pages long. Right. Okay, it's a lot. One hundred twenty-seven pages. And there's and a link in the show notes that will take you to the entire act. Right. If so if you if, if you want to see the whole act, you can you can take a look at it. And a lot of it is um, funding and yeah, procedures yeah. and policies and everything. But there are a couple of provisions in this act that you saw some time ago, right? And questioned. I'm right. not sure that this is legal, right? Okay, right. And I've talked to a couple of other people, and one one person said it was written to be challenged, right, in court. Ah, so, yeah. and I thought, what? I, I wasn't sure. And I said, what do you mean? He said. There are provisions in the law that are in conflict with mm-hmm. existing laws, with right. other laws. Right. And so there is probably going to be some case law that comes mm-hmm. out of this. Mm-hmm. Now, case law has to be initiated by somebody. Right. So what would happen is some of these provisions would be implemented, mm-hmm. and then parent, usually either parents or students, would say, wait a minute, that's illegal. You're not mm-hmm. allowed to do that. It violates right. other constitutional rights. Right. And so I've talked to some people who said, no, that was put together hastily and they'll let the court sort it out. Right. I don't know whether that's true or not, but you begin to wonder because right. it was crafted very, very hastily. Right. And we're living with it now. Right. And as um, psychologists, we are, the students who are suspected of being violent mm-hmm. are being sent to us for evaluation. Right. And we have said from the beginning that many of these students really don't have right. much potential for violence, but schools don't have a choice. Right. Because of this law, they have to report. Right. Mm-hmm. So so just to highlight a couple of those points in the right. act the that ones are that, very concerning. The ones that concern us. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, it's interesting that the person told you that it was written to be challenged because it, it does feel, it, it gives me the feeling that this was written and, and published with the idea that it's going to make a lot of people feel better because we're taking a, a hard stance and we're right. going to really look at this. 
even though there's just no way to, for these things to be done, and it just doesn't make sense. So, like, the first thing is that um, students are re students will not be required mm -hmm. to um, disclose if they've ever been referred for mental health services. Right, that's right. Um, first off, that's a violation of HIPAA. You can't be required right. to to um, to disclose health, personal health related information. I don't have to ever do that, and nobody. Nobody else can do it, right? Okay, that unless I give my consent, mm -hmm. that's pri pri we call it privileged information. Right, it's meant to be private. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so, and, and there's actually a couple of uh, bullet points in the act that Specify are related to that. that 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 require it. Right. So one of them is that uh, requires students to disclose mental health referrals at, at the time that they register for a school. Um, another one is that it requires the courts to notify school superintendents right. of students who <laughs> were referred for mental health services. Mm -hmm. So uh, again, here's the, um, uh, oh, and the required the student code of conduct to include policies for referring violent and disruptive students for mental health services. Right. So, you know, we've worked in the schools before. Right. Know, if we have concerns that a student has a mental health concern, mm -hmm. like ADHD or, or anything, depression or anything like that, we were directly, um, you know, told, right. told in very direct ways, you are not allowed to refer them for anything. That's right. You, you, you're not allowed to tell parents that this is what you think that the mm -hmm. student has, that they should go see mental health services because it creates a, an issue of liability. Um, and who's responsible then for the treatment and for the, the evaluation and everything. It made me, just to show you the difference, in the 1980s when the AIDS epidemic first mm -hmm. hit, yep. we, were, we were instructed, we, were take, we, were, we had training, and we were told the parents were allowed to know, but mm -hmm. nobody else was allowed to know that a right. child had, was HIV positive. If a child had, yeah. So we were doing neonatal medicine. One of the children, who was HIV positive was brought in by an uncle. Mm -hmm. And he began to, I knew the baby was HIV positive because I had the hospital records mm -hmm. and part of our job. The uncle began changing the baby's diaper. Mm -hmm. He did not know that that baby was HIV positive, his nephew was mm -hmm. HIV positive. I knew, but mm -hmm. he didn't, and I was not allowed to tell him. Right. Yeah. I stood there and, and I was, I was not allowed to tell the caretaker right. that this baby was HIV positive. Yeah, I, I did some work on an ambulance, working on ambulances mm -hmm. for for a while, and you know, we weren't allowed. You were to not ask. allowed to disclose. You could not ask someone if they had any of those infectious diseases That's or, right. or anything that could put me at danger. We had to, so we were trying to automatically assume that everyone had everything, mm -hmm. so we were we remained protected. Right. But if we can't ask some of those questions yeah. to keep ourselves a life safe. threatening disease. Directly. Potentially, yeah. right? Um, how is it that we can have an act that says that students must disclose, and it just says mental health services. So if, you know, if, if a kid's um, parents are going through a divorce, right. and the kid is distressed about that, they may receive some mental health services and so right. they have to disclose that, even though there's absolutely no risk to there's anybody no risk. for anything. Right, right. Um, the, <laughs> That is a really concerning part of this this, this act. That's right. Opinion. That's right. That you must disclose, right. and that schools must disclose. Here's another one that says: um, require students expelled for firearms. Require students expelled for firearms or certain threats. Mm -hmm. 
Certain threats has never been identified, never been defined. Right. What what is this? And that's one of the confusing parts of this law is that schools aren't sure what certain threats are. Right. So to err on the side of safety so that they don't violate the provisions of this law, mm -hmm. schools are referring students for the silliest things. I mean, right. I say silly. A second or third grader in Maryland chewed a Pop-Tart into a shape of a pistol oh. mm -hmm. and he got expelled, he got mm -hmm. suspended from school. Right. I mean, I don't think that's a risk. Okay. Right. Or other kids will write poetry or they'll draw mm -hmm. a picture. My goodness, we all drew those pictures when we were mm -hmm. little of, you know, shootings and all that stuff. Nobody thought about it. Mm -hmm. Now, that could get you expelled. That right. could, or it can, you can be referred for mental health services. Though there's no reason, there's mm -hmm. nothing wrong with you, you can be referred for mental health services. The other one that concerned me was that um, require courts to notify the school superintendent. Mm -hmm. of, now, you're assuming that the school superintendent is a nice guy, nice person, mm -hmm. uh, benign, Mindful. charitable. Um, um, and But th that in the hands of the wrong people, like let's say you live in a small community. Right. The superintendent knows everybody, right. knows all the families. Mm -hmm. And suddenly he's in possession of information right. that heretofore he would have had no right to know about. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. So these things are alarming. Um, the other one that, well, we'll get to it later. Here yeah. it is. Require the student code of conduct yeah. to include policies for, for disruptive students. Right. We don't know what disruptive means. Last week, in our city, uh -huh. a sixth grader refused to stand for the Pledge of Allegiance. Mm -hmm. The teacher in the room, substitute teacher, mm -hmm. challenged him, and it led to a bit of an altercation where he became angry. The student mm -hmm. became angry because the teacher said, no, you have to. Mm -hmm. Well, you don't have to. Since 1943, the Pledge of Allegiance is voluntary. Has been since 1943. Okay, mm -hmm. but this teacher didn't know that, and she didn't know that it was voluntary. So she challenged this kid. Mm -hmm. The kid got angry. He was expelled mm -hmm. because he was disruptive. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what is disruptive? What does mm -hmm. what does disruptive mean? You know, right. how how much how disruptive do you have to be to get to be referred right. for mental health services? Right. I mean, all of us have been disruptive occasionally. Mm -hmm. Do we all get referred? No. Mm -hmm. So so these terms like um, disruptive. Being disruptive and certain, certain things, certain things, yeah. right? And other things. You know, if you bring a gun to school, you get referred. If you don't give a teacher your cell phone, do you get referred? You know, is that one of those things we're talking mm -hmm. about? Right. Because that's what's getting kids expelled, right. or, or little things like that. Yeah. Okay. So, I think we have to be very careful. These are going to be settled by case law. These mm -hmm. are the kinds of statements right. in this law that are eventually going to go to court, and, and the courts are going to have to sort all this stuff out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and there, there are many other things in the act that are that are concerning as well. There's, um, you know, uh, you no. have to consult with um, law enforcement when students pose a threat to school safety. Right. Um, you know, we have, <laughs> and again, some of these terms are so loosely, either loosely defined or not at all defined. Right. Um, because right. what is a threat to school safety? We we mm -hmm. worked at an elementary school once. Um, right. Rich and I worked together at, at a school where there was a student who maybe once a week or so, the police were called about mm -hmm. this student right. who was in like fourth grade. Yeah, um, And you know, he would, he had, he certainly had some emotional and behavioral issues, mm -hmm. um, but he would have his explosion and then he would settle and everything would be fine. Mm -hmm. um, but he was consistently seen as a school threat. 
as far as I know, he never hurt anyone else. No, no, not on purpose. He wasn't. He wasn't out to hurt anybody else. He wasn't right. predatory in any way. He might pull a overturn a desk and it could right. fall on. But that was it was accidental. Right. Yeah, you know, he wasn't really a, a threat. And then, if you remain calm, he was—he helped us clean up the mess, <laughs> and he did just fine. But, you know, seen as a school threat, right. he, he was repeatedly—the uh, police were repeatedly called right. on this kid. And the other thing that's that alarming to us is that, from since Columbine, we have said, it's—it's it's not most people with mental health issues mm -hmm. are not going to be a threat. Right. Uh, over and over and over, it's right. not—it's. Yes, some of the shooters have mental health issues, right. but most people with mental health issues are not shooters. Right. But here we've thrown a huge blanket over right. all people, right. even if you've been referred. Exactly. We see people who are referred for services, and we say, no, this child doesn't meet criteria for anything. Right. But he's been referred, so right. he gets this, um, yep. um, this name. I always think of the scarlet letter. Yeah. You know, we're going to have all these kids who are, we're going to treat them like they have a scarlet letter. Mm -hmm. They're going to be stained and tainted mm -hmm. even if they don't meet criteria for right. mental illness. So it's a pretty broad, this law is a pretty broad blanket yeah. that, that's been thrown over this issue, thrown over it hastily, mm -hmm. and it's going to create some confusion and some contradictions. Right. Yeah. And there's other some other details in it right. where, you know, if you, um, if you, bring something that could be con perceived as a weapon right. to school, you will be expelled. And, right. and again, thinking about the vocabulary, you will be expelled. Um, but if you have, a, have something and you threaten a teacher, you may be expelled. Right, right. And it's, okay, um, so the, some of the wording is, is really challenging to right. work through. And right. um, again, there's a, there's, a, there's a lot of words in right. this. And act. there's another provision um, in the law that, that makes it okay acceptable to do anonymous reporting mm -hmm. so if you have it out for somebody right you know a, as kids do particularly right. in middle school uh -huh. and, and early high school um, you can say hey I heard so-and-so say that he was gonna kill somebody that's enough to get you expelled that's right. enough to get you referred for right. assessment it, it right it and we'll, we'll get to that uh, the, the assessment and the <laughs> that that part in just a second because a lot of schools are jumping over that mm -hmm. step um, so we'll get to that in just a moment right. but but so so the bottom line is that th there are many things in this act that, that raise concerns right um, many of the many of the statements or the provisions in the in the act go against very directly other established um, right um, laws and, and rules that we have um, not just here in Florida but but right. in every state and what one of the things I'm concerned about is many parents who feel that their child should be evaluated, just to be sure, mm -hmm. may be reluctant because once referred, mm -hmm. do I have the obligation to report to the right. superintendent? Right. I've never had that before. I've never been required to report any of my patients to anybody. Right. It's my privileged information. Right. It remains confidential unless the student wants me, gives me written consent right. to share the information. Right. So it's a it's a little bit um, alarming right. to us, and and we want to proceed very carefully. But these are the kinds of things that, when when we get these laws written like this, there are unintended consequences, right. and and you know some we don't want the unintended consequences to um, to hamper 
um, everybody's efforts. Right. You know, there's already a stigma about mental illness. Yeah. Oh, you're seeing a shrink. Oh, you're seeing a psychologist. There must be something right. dreadfully wrong with you. No, I'm seeing somebody who's helping me figure it out. Right. You know, it's a positive experience. This is going to turn into a negative experience absolutely. because it's going to jeopardize kids' school lives. Well, there's yeah, there's absolutely negative consequences right. for seeking help, um, right. and that's that's going to be a problem. You know, so. I was talking to a pilot the other day, and he he said in the military, if you even consult with a psychologist, you're mm -hmm. grounded. Right. You can't fly anymore. Right. So what does that lead to? People who should get some help right. don't, but they're still flying. Right. Yeah. So, so, um, so yeah. So now in in this last part of the uh -huh. podcast today, um, we wanted to kind of mention a, um, a an NPR piece. Well, yes, but there were a couple of other things that. Oh, um, did you have some? Yeah, a couple of other things that that we wanted to talk about. Um, in Florida, where the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas Act is now in effect, um, the the um, what it did is it sort of we as we mentioned sort of threw this mental health blanket over everything. Mm -hmm. Okay, and schools have been put on notice that they better come to terms with this, mm -hmm. and most schools are terrified that there will be an incident in their school. Sure. So they're they're creating what we call false positives. Mm -hmm. Okay, they're. They're referring kids who probably shouldn't be referred, don't mm -hmm. need to be referred, they mm -hmm. really don't pose a threat. But the law is forcing schools to err on the side of caution. Right. Okay. So many more kids are being affected. Second, this whole problem of guns. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I listen to people talk about guns, whether it's the kids from Col um, kids from Parkland or the NRA, and there's this this horrible argument, not a debate, it's not a debate, it's an argument about guns. One of the things that bothers me is this. People talk about guns, people talk about the Second Amendment as though it's some sacred right. Okay? Mm -hmm. There are 27 amendments. Mm -hmm. This is the only one that I hear talk about as though it is an absolute right. You, you cannot take my guns away. Mm -hmm. You cannot take my thousands of rounds of ammunition away. And I heard a young a young fellow interviewed the other day. He's a high school senior. And he said, no, no, no. Um, we have the right to protect ourselves from our government. And you and I have talked about this mm -hmm. on the program before. Sure. In the days when everybody had a musket, whether mm -hmm. you were a British soldier or um, an American colonist, everybody had muskets. Mm -hmm. I don't own an F-16. Right. I don't own a Sherman tank. Right. I don't own well, any of these weapons that my government owns. There's a good percentage of people who thinks we should be able to. I don't have any nuclear weapons in my basement. Once again, there's a good percentage of people who <coughs> believe that we should be able to. And that's the silliness of the gun debate. Yeah. Okay, We could never arm ourselves. Most countries can't arm themselves. I mean, you have one aircraft carrier. You have 12 support vessels. I, I can't recreate that. Mm -hmm. I have a semi-automatic, I have an F-16, I have, a, I have an AR-15 in my bedroom, I, mm -hmm. I don't. But if I'm a gun advocate, so okay, I own an AR-15. But if the aircraft carrier pulls up in Jacksonville, Florida, I'm sorry, that's not gonna be a fair fight, Yeah. okay? So this whole idea that we have to defend it, like we're gonna go into the woods and fight it, yeah. against the, the most countries can't defend themselves against our military right. okay but you're going to because you have automatic weapons in your bomb shelter yeah. okay so it's a kind of a silly debate right. okay 
I say silly not to denigrate or to criticize. I say it's silly because let's stop having it. Right. Let's stop talking about the Second Amendment. Let's stop talking about gun rights. Let's stop talking about gun control mm -hmm. because we've been doing it at least since 1999, right. and it has gotten us. It's almost 20 years. This will be mm -hmm. 20 year anniversary. Right. Okay. It has gotten us nowhere. 20 years of debate has not moved the pieces at all. Right. So let's stop talking about gun control and let's stop talking about the Second Amendment because that conversation has led nowhere, yeah. okay? That would be my, when I'm voted Philosopher King, that's the first thing I'm gonna do. Are you running for office? For Philosopher King, because now I'm gonna use executive privileges to do this. Um, if a country, if we want to do mental health, if the goal of this law mm -hmm. is to do mental health, then let's do it correctly. Mm -hmm. All right. And in the third part of this presentation, we're going to talk about a guy who is doing it. Mm -hmm. I think he is doing it correctly. Mm -hmm. I think he's on the right track. He's not the only one, but I think he's on the right track mm -hmm. for dealing with this thing. He doesn't talk about gun control. Doesn't mm -hmm. talk about Second Amendment. So he's doing it right. Um, According to a recent article in the Tampa Bay Times, now we just talked about the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas Act and how it's going to toughen up schools and it's going to make schools hard, something or other. Florida is dead last in mental health funding. Mm -hmm. The only part of the country that spends less money on mental health is Puerto Rico, the Commonwealth of Puerto Rico. Mm -hmm. We are dead last mm -hmm. in mental health funding. So we talk about, we're going to do mental health funding. We're going to do mental health work with this new act, but we fund it at the lowest level possible, right. okay? Third, the laws like this are never gonna be sufficient. We need, we need, to, we need to learn best practices mm -hmm. and we need adequate funding to do them. We hear about children in the foster care system who are dying, who are abused, okay? Mm -hmm. um, we hear about, we spend less than any other than any other state mm -hmm. on on those systems. Okay, so you wonder why they don't work. Okay, we hear problems about our educational system. Florida ranks forty second mm -hmm. in educational right. funding. Okay, our teachers are paid on average nine thousand dollars a year less than teachers in other states. Mm -hmm. Okay, Polk County, the county we live in, mm -hmm. has become a, in a sense a training ground. Mm -hmm. New teachers are brought in; they're given um, incentive pay, mm -hmm. signing bonuses right. to teach. But as soon as they come here and they learn that adjacent counties will pay seven or eight or nine thousand dollars more, mm -hmm. they leave here. Right. So we train these new teachers, and as soon as they can get another job, they leave. Mm -hmm. Okay. So and it's because we don't uh, fund our educational system adequately. Florida ranks thirty fourth in access to health care, including mental health care, but we rank twenty third in personal income. So it's not. We can't make the argument that Arkansas or Mississippi or West Virginia, may, that we just don't produce enough. In, no, we rank 23rd right. in personal income, um, but we rank at the bottom in educational funding, mental health funding, health funding, okay? Right. Um, we hear tax cuts, tax cuts, tax cuts. Well, that's coming out of education and mental health and all those things, I mean, cut, cut taxes. So um, what we need is, um, carefully crafted um, plans uh, for effective services um, in our countries. Um, the Marjor acts like the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas Act provide a blueprint, but, but it's not really mm -hmm. a process that we can right. use. Okay, it's right. not, we still have to solve the problem of what are the best practices in mental health right. um, 
uh, coverage. Okay? Right. Yeah, yeah, you really have to think about what the goal is That's right. and, then, and then create a plan that, that accomplishes the goal mm -hmm. in, in a realistic, actionable manner. That's right. It's not just, you know, the, the big problem that I think we've, we've had um, in response to, you know, all, all these travesties is that we, re we try to respond with these massive, um, you know, things that get get good news coverage, right? And we're gonna we're gonna do something about it, right? You know, the the, the legislature was galvanized into action mm -hmm. because of this part, right. because of the, and I think you're right because the students went there and said, "We have had it." Right. Stop talking about yeah. gun control. Stop talking. Well, what the, we should stop talking about gun control because it's a it's a, it doesn't solve anything. Um, but I think you're right. The students went there and demanded action. Mm -hmm. So the legislature was galvanized into action. They didn't give any more money. Well, mm -hmm. they gave more money, but nobody's quite sure how to spend it or what to spend it on. Right. You know, there's a, and we don't know if it's going to be recurring. So if it's we have it this year, but we don't know if we'll have it next year. We don't know that we're going to have it next year. So right. we're hiring all these people and we're instituting all these programs, but nobody knows whether these are going to be recurring funds right. or whether it's a one-time deal. Right. That's a policy decision. That's a social policy decision that the legislature needs to come to terms with. Right. Don't give us a year of funding to solve what's going to be an ongoing crisis. Right. People aren't going to get better because we had one year of funding. Right. This 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 has been with us forever, yeah. and it will be with us forever. Yeah. So, so so as we try to think, and you know, it, we haven't sat in our think tank and come up with the perfect an answer right. to all of this. But on um, morning edition, right um, on. Thursday, Thursday. Mm -hmm. um, there was a piece that covered right. um, a, a, a principal um, in school, in that, school that seems mm -hmm. to be doing it, at least in the very least, moving in the right direction. Right. I think it's Salem, Oregon was, was where he's working. Um, and the story was about, it was on Morning Edition, to stop young men from being violent. Because right. what do we know about school shooters? They're men. They're boys. Okay? Right. That's who's doing all this. Okay. And uh, the story was entitled, What Pushes Kids to Violence and What Can We Do About It? And the story focuses on a 17-year-old boy. They don't use his real name. They call him Mishka. Um, <clears throat> and Mishka was sort of a classic case of a kid who was bullied and he was beaten up a couple of times, mm -hmm. lost the vision in one eye mm -hmm. uh, when he was hit by another student, um, had some, was beat, beaten up. As, he was attacked by a student. He reported it to the school. When those kids got in trouble, he was attacked again. So mm -hmm. he lost vision in one eye. Mm -hmm. He then had abdominal surgery. He had mm -hmm. to have a second round of surgery because they had damaged his uh, internal organs. And so over these years of bullying and, and uh, being the recipient of, of uh, bullying mm -hmm. and violent, aggressive, uh, physically aggressive behavior by others, he became angry. Mm -hmm. he, became, he became the classic angry male. Mm -hmm. okay? He lost faith in the system. So mm -hmm. I'm not going to. I'm going to protect myself. I'm going to do what I have to do. And by the time he was in high school, he had started to make threatening um, right. reports, threatening right. um, um, letters. Right. Um, and who would blame him? I mean, right. here's a kid who the system failed him. He had to take matters into his own hands. And when you're 15 or 16 or 17, that means I'm going to become physical. Mm -hmm. Okay. You don't have good problem-solving skills at right. those ages. So. He was in this school, and uh, what they did is they decided to put him in a smaller school. Uh, that was the first thing they did. Uh, the guy who runs this program is, uh, is John Vandrill. He is the Director of Safety and Risk Management for the Salem, Oregon School System. Mm -hmm. 
So he took um, this boy, Mishka, um, and said, okay, the first thing <laughs> we're going to do, he wrote this letter. So they called the police. They called, He wrote a letter. He was going to kill some people. Called the police. They handcuff him in the school. Mm -hmm. Public embarrassment. So here's the, here's the victim being re-victimized right. by the legal system and the school system. Right. Okay. So finally, Van Justice, let's stop this uh, craziness and <clears throat> let's, let's put him into the program that he developed. And the program, he was a senior in high school by this point, and they put him in a smaller school. And when he went to that smaller school, he developed a mentoring relationship. One of the teachers there mm -hmm. developed a mentoring relationship with him. And I want to emphasize the word relationship. Right. We talk about this all the time. We are, tw we worry about 20% of our students, mm -hmm. okay? 80% of kids are gonna go to school, they're gonna wear their uniform, they're gonna obey the rules, they're gonna do their homework. They're gonna, they're gonna be gonna just do, fine. They're gonna do everything we ask them to do. No matter who their teachers are, 80%, 85% are gonna do just fine. 10 to 20% are causing us problems. Right. Uh, they're disruptive, they're defiant, they're disobedient. That's a different group that needs a very different kind of discipline, right. okay? If they they have been damaged, they have been traumatized, they have been abused, they have either by parents or families or teachers or somebody, mm -hmm. 15 to 20 percent of kids are going to challenge right. every teacher, yeah. okay? And until you establish a relationship with those kids, no discipline system is right. going to work very well. Absolutely. I don't care how much you punish them, I don't care how many zeros you get, how many times you expel them, how many times you suspend them, that stuff doesn't work right. with this group of 15 or 20%. Yeah. So in a class of 20 students, you know that three or four are going to require something different. Right. And something different begins with a relationship. Right. These kids have to be connected to somebody. What finally fixed this kid after years of abuse, <coughs> years of threats, years of problems, was the mentoring relationship with this with his teacher. Right. Once a once a relationship was established and he knew that somebody cared about him for the first time, he's a senior. For the first time he knew somebody cared about him. He turned his life around in that single year. Right. After eleven years of abuse that included losing an eye, having two rounds of surgery, one for his eye and one for his stomach. Mm -hmm. Suddenly one year of a mentoring relationship turns his life around. He graduates from high school, doesn't drop out, and now he's a He's working as a welder or something. He's gotten mm -hmm. a job and he's doing fine. Yeah. He's 25 years old and doing okay. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, This is a program that works. Right. Uh, Vandrill has dealt with over a thousand students mm -hmm. in this program and they're succeeding. Right. We have ways, we we have successful ways of dealing with these kids. We're simply not using them. Right. We're, not, we're not implementing best practices and we're not funding best practices. Right. One of the programs that we are working on and we're working to put together um, and have done with a couple of schools in our area is, um, is does just that. One of the, the two key aspects of the um, program is to build the relationship. Right. Yeah. Build the relationship before you had the problematic behavior right. and reinforce and um, foster the relationship after right. the disruptive behavior. That's right. Uh, because you, you have to have that, that relationship is so critical. Right. We're, we're very hesitant, in, especially in education for some reason. Um, and I think for the first time Ever maybe um, because I think that when we were kids, we, we had somewhat of a relationship with our teachers. You we know, did. the teachers knew us; they knew our parents; they knew everything. Now it's teachers seem to not want much of a relationship with their students right. um, for a variety of reasons. I, I would assume, 
Um, but that relationship is critical. Mm -hmm. That relationship is, is what's necessary to, to foster trust and encouragement and openness and you know, right. just those healthy relationships. And granted, I, 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 I grant you, it's difficult to have a personal relationship yeah. with some kids. What I would say is, I can't have a relationship with every one of my students, but somebody in the school can, can, okay? Mm -hmm. Doesn't have to be me. Right. I don't have to, have, doesn't have to be the teacher. It might be somebody in the cafeteria. Right. It might be the school janitor. Right. Somebody, somebody at that school, a bus driver, a secretary, right. a janitor, doesn't matter, has to establish a personal relationship right. with this kid. If you don't have that, mm -hmm. the, nothing else is gonna work Absolutely. very well. Okay? Absolutely. And that's what Vandrill's program mm -hmm. does, is yeah. it establishes this personal relationship with the kid, and, um, and, and it's based on that personal relationship that we can implement the other solutions. Right, right, so, so there, there are solutions out there, we just have to maybe be a little bit more creative than, um, than just mm -hmm. throwing um, punitive um, yeah, we wanna and punishment-based things at, at these kids. Punishment doesn't work with these kids. Right. These kids have already been traumatized. They've already been punished. That's why they're, that's why they're in this 15 or 20%. Right. Um, do you think that there's anything a school can do that would scare some of these kids? Right. They have been abused, they have been beaten up mm -hmm. verbally, emotionally, physically, sexually. There's nothing a school can do that can match that kind of trauma. Right. It requires a different kind of approach. Yeah. Some people call it trauma-based care. doesn't matter what you call it. Um, we talk about in education since 2004 mm -hmm. with the re, uh, reauthorization of the Individuals with Disabilities uh, Education and Intervention Act. We have been told that we must rely on evidence-based interventions. Right. What what works, okay? Right. And year after year after year, we say the same thing. If a kid isn't in school, mm -hmm. there's no there's no intervention. Right. If he's sitting in a room with in school suspension, right. there's no intervention. Okay. Right. You you protect the other kids, right. but you're not doing anything for this kid. You're not solving this problem. Right. And there are ways to solve the problem. Absolutely. They're not expulsion, not suspension, not giving zeros. All these punitive things right. that we try yeah. are failing. The right. data is very clear on that. Yeah. I mean, study after study after study says it's not going to work. Absolutely. What does work is mentoring, coaching, relationships, yeah. that sort of thing. Absolutely. So let's all right. do what we know works. Check out the links in the show note. Yeah. Uh, read the um, the act if you if you're interested. Um, we'd love to hear if you have any thoughts about it. Um, it's going to continue to be a, a point of discussion for a long time. Oh, so. it is. Yeah, this is going to head to the, and it'll, it'll be, it'll work its way through yeah. the courts. And, and we're just sort of feeling our way through this thing. All of us are, are confused, mm -hmm. but particularly schools are, are on alert. They're, they're, um, they're concerned, they're confused, they're trying to do the right thing. But many of these things have never been adequately defined absolutely. and schools aren't sure what to do about it. Yeah, so. absolutely. So. All right. Well, that <coughs> is it for today. Until next time, stay happy, stay healthy, and forget to be afraid.